Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Well, it is so good to be together. I don't know if this is on. There we go. And... Uh, we are excited for Christmas, so Merry Christmas, start with that. So excited about what God is doing during this Christmas season. I get this all messed up this morning. Hang on a second. Hanging myself. There we go. And um, we've been sharing testimonies. People have been sharing what God has been doing in their life. And those have just been such a blessing to hear so many of you talk about the good things that God has done. And today I have asked Karen Dowling to come up and just give you a testimony, brief testimony of how God is moving in her life and what he's been doing. And so Karen, come on up here and share with us what God is doing. Well, thanks for having me. Good morning and Merry Christmas. I want to share my testimony today with the caveat that God is not finished with me, and he is still working with me each day. Each day I have to surrender to his will for my life, thoughts, and behaviors. I just need to let you know that I am an imperfect Christian woman. I compare my story today to the shepherds of the Christmas story. They were probably not perfect people. They were a little bit dirty, tired, and hanging out in the fields with animals. They probably felt lonely at times watching their sheep, They may have felt like they could be more and wanted more for themselves, but didn't realize that the very life they were living and the work they were doing was serving others. They may not have been thinking of meeting the Messiah, the King of Kings, while hanging out in their everyday lives. And after they were met with angels and some God-created circumstances, and then they met Jesus, they were never the same. So it is with my life. I grew up in a different faith and have always believed, but I didn't have a personal relationship with Christ. My dad was Hindu, and my mom's background meant that we went to Catholic Church. There is nothing wrong with that faith, and I gained a lot of great experiences in it, but I always searched for more. As a child, I moved a lot, and I always tried so hard to fit in at my new school and with my new peers and to be successful in school with my teachers. I tried so hard but never felt a sense of belonging. I always knew I wanted to be a teacher and to influence lives, to speak Spanish and to travel the world, but I couldn't have imagined where God would place me. I just knew I loved to play school. I loved to teach and boss people around. (laughs) Education has been a great field for me, but I've often wondered if I'm making a difference. When I turned 21 years old, I suffered a very abusive moment in my life, both physically and mentally. That broke my trust in some people and in my efforts to love others. Shortly after that drastic moment, I received a call that my dad had died of a heart attack. This most pivotal moment in my life is as fresh to me today as if it happened five minutes ago. I cherished my dad and his culture and all that he bring to our lives, and I couldn't imagine a life without him. Fast forward to the fall after my father's death, death, and I met a cute, smooth-talking car salesman who pursued me relentlessly. Used car salesman. 
U.S. <laughs> in a place that shall remain nameless right now. Trent was an answer to so many prayers in so many ways, but our union was not met with positivity from the most important people in my life. A time of mourning my dad and a life new to all of us caused a lot of dissension, and I started to first endure the battle in my mind in the deepest way. I was depressed, I was anxious, and at a time, I was suicidal. I couldn't live without the support from a parent who was alive, nor a parent that was deceased. I felt I couldn't make anyone happy, and I didn't have a, a parental figure in my life. I didn't want to put Trent through a life with me if my thinking and the actions around me would put us both through such hard times. He never left my side. He only endured the heartaches and loved me through it all. Eventually, we were married, and we had two boys, and we had some marital ups and downs. We had some health concerns for both our boys. Our, answer, our prayers were answered with those concerns. Um, we have had a lot of career decisions and some family matters that we struggled with. We came to church through a variety of ways God had planned for us, including work relationships and an aerobics class. One day I went to the altar and gave my life to Christ as Tim Williams and the worship team sang, I need you. I knew then that I needed Jesus and I never wanted to let go of him. I had a guiding figure in my life in that moment and a church family to support me. Next, Trent and I chose to get baptized together at the Muncie Central Pool where I was working. With others like George and Kevin Livengood, we rededicated our lives to Christ. And that guy right there did it. Thank you. Most recently, I felt a call to serve God in a greater way through my work in Christian higher education and missionary work. So I obtained a local minister's license for Muncie First Church. This credential means a lot to me as I continue to pursue how God wants me to serve his kingdom. Finally, God ordained many opportunities for me to minister to others. Through my work with women, teen girls and teen boys, mission trips, Bible studies, and adult students with diverse backgrounds, I have learned that he believes in me, he trusts me to deliver his message, and he asks me to be faithful to his ways, not my own. I suffer often from moments in my mind. I just greeted some of you the other day um, through tears at the front doors. I go low and I can't see a way out. The smile and energetic personality gives way often to dark moments of the night, to loneliness and despair. I mess up a lot as a wife and a mom. I am not a perfect friend. I give in to not feeling good enough, wanting instant justice, to busyness and weariness, body image issues, and the gossip of the moment. What I don't do is give up seeking Christ's own heart, heart as my own, and his ways as my ways. What I do know is that Jesus came for me and for you, and it's the best gift and the greatest show on earth. I am praying daily to be content in all things. It's a battle I face. I may battle daily in my mind, and the arrows of the enemy may come, but through Christ I know the battle is won, and that nothing else satisfies but him. I am a proud Westdale warrior, but more importantly, I am a warrior for Christ. I thank him for giving me the work and the people to influence, and I will do so as long as he gives me breath in my lungs. I thank him for the two most perfect sons a mother could have in my life. <laughs> Don't mess up. 
I am a boy mom who worries about her babies and their friends and loves fiercely, but also recognizes God's work in them. Their goodness and faithfulness comes from the prayers and love of so many of you, including you in this church. He has given them a heart for his people, just as he did for me and Trent. We are blessed to be able to worship freely together as a family, receive encouragement from our family and friends, and use prayer and the word of God as our guidance. What Trent and I have learned is through it all, a core group of friends, the love of each other as best friends, and first and foremost, a relationship with Christ is what will always hold us together and help us love and serve his people. Like the shepherds, we come together with others seeking the Messiah. We give in to what God instructs us to do by listening to him. We testify to God's goodness in our lives by showing joy in the Lord to others, even when it's hard. We testify to God's goodness in our lives, or, I'm sorry, and we look for God in all places and people. He uses the lowliest of us. And we bow down before him to worship, knowing who he is and believing who he is, even when we cannot see him. I have to imagine the shepherds of the Christmas story were never the same after obeying, then meeting Christ, and testifying to what they witnessed. And that is the same for me. I will help watch the flock and will seek the Savior, and I will testify to his amazing sacrifice and glory as they did. Thank you. Okay, I'm just going to wait. All right, trying to follow the rules. Hey, next uh, next uh, Tuesday is Christmas Eve, right? Am I right about that? Tuesday? No, Monday. Monday. Tomorrow night is Christmas Eve. I don't know what day it is. I'm, you know, I've done all my shopping. I'm just on Christmas. No, tomorrow night is our Christmas Eve service, and it'll be here at seven o'clock. And we really want to invite all of you to come, bring friends. We're going to have some beautiful uh, lighting and candles, and we'll do some fantastic music and have a, a brief message, and we'll take communion together. And we just really want to invite you to be a part of that. Come and celebrate uh, the Savior with us that day. So if you uh, are want to be in town, try to be here, and bring friends. People want to come to that. They want to be a part of it. So come and be a part. We would love, love, love to have you. Thank you for your testimony, Karen. I tell you, you know, all the testimonies that have been given in the last couple of months have just been so good, and they just remind me of all that Jesus is doing in our lives. And thank you guys for sharing your your hearts and uh, for being a part of it. Let's pray together. Father, right now we just thank you for this day. Lord, I just ask right now that you will speak into our hearts and our minds our lives, the message that you have for us. We come here together today, and it's a festive kind of time because of Christmas. Lord, we, we just celebrate that. But we also do pray for those whose hearts are a little, little troubled right now. They've lost the loved one. This is the first time they've been without that special person in their life, that that uh, parent, whoever, Lord. We pray for them right now that you would just be there for them. And Father, I pray right now that you would just take the words 
that you've given to me and that you would apply them to our lives. Lord, help us not to help us not to just say, oh, well, they're just words. I believe, God, that you have spoken to me. And I believe these are very important words to me. Lord, I pray that we would hear them and that they would change our lives. We love you and we praise you and we just ask you to be in the middle of everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, have you ever in your life received a Christmas gift you just you, know, you just really wanted it so bad? You know, you wanted it, you wanted it, you wanted it, and it finally came, you know, and Christmas comes and you get that gift. And it's just so exciting because you get the gift that, that you really wanted, but it's so special that you don't really want to use it, especially like if it's some sort of food or something like that. And so you so you put it up on the shelf for a while. You set it aside. You you put it over there and you say, I'll, I'll use it later. I'll, I'll do it later, but, but I just want to savor this. I'm going to just leave it there for right now. Probably not so much today. Uh, we usually get whatever we want whenever we want. Things like that really don't matter that much. But in my dad's day, he grew up in the Great Depression. And so for him, these kind of gifts were, were tremendously important. And so, you know, he would ask for things or he would want things. He never asked for anything, but he'd want things. And, and we would get them for him as I got older. I remember my mom buying him things like a, a winter coat that he wanted really badly. She bought him a pair of Dan Post cowboy boots. Really nice cowboy boots, huh, Larry? Where are you at, Larry? Yeah, nice cowboy boots, yeah. And she bought him those boots. And she bought him certain kinds of clothes that he would he would uh, say that he wanted, that he liked. And so he would get all these clothes and all this stuff and... and uh, Put it away. He was just, put it away. He was afraid to wear it. Because if you wear it, you might wear it out. And so he put it away. It seems sort of silly to us, but, but for a person who went through the Great Depression, it was. So when my dad died a couple of years ago, about four years ago now, I, uh, I was charged with the task of, of cleaning up everything and, and going through all this stuff. And so I started going through all my dad's things. And as I went through his things, I found those cowboy boots. I found some winter coats. I found shirts and pants and all kinds of gifts still in their package, still sitting there because he was afraid to use them. And only now a lot of them were ruined. You know, stuff had gotten to that they were they weren't any good anymore, most of them. And it's just a shame, you know, because a gift given and not used is wasted. Well over the past few weeks of Advent I've been talking about reconciliation. Let me read for you Romans 5, 6 through 11 again. I think it'll be up on the board here. You can see it there. And let me just read it for you. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So here, here's how this works. We know that Jesus Christ has come to earth and he's died for you and me. And he's died to reconcile us or to bring us back to the Father. By his death, he took our place because he was perfect and without sin. He paid the price for all of our sin. He took care of everything. And all sin before Christ 
and after Christ has been paid for in full. Every bit of it. Right now, it doesn't matter whether you're going to sin down the road. Later on, if, if somebody's going to do something and, and it's sinful, it's been paid for. The price of sin has been paid. Jesus Christ paid for all of it. All sin has been taken care of. And because of the gift of salvation. Now, you know, let me back up and say all sin has been taken care of, but you have to believe, you have to receive, you have to repent, you have to turn away from sin to appropriate that gift. And because of the gift of salvation, there's a consequence in our life. And I want to talk about that for a minute. There's this consequence. It's a good consequence. It's a wonderful consequence. I'm glad for good consequences in my life. You know, it's like running. If you run enough, you get sort of healthier. It's a consequence of running. Well, there's consequences to Christ having come into our lives. Because we're not made not guilty, we are reconciled to our Father. And so now we have peace with God. We have peace with God now and forever. That means all the anxiety and all the enmity with God, all the bad feelings, all the hostilities that have gone on between us and God have now been dealt with, and we are at peace with God. That means that you and I are finally able to be what we were created to be. Because, see, you were created to be children of God. You were created to be His people. You were created to be at peace with Him and in fellowship with Him and in relationship with Him. And that's the Christmas message in a nutshell. That, that God has come through Jesus Christ and has reconciled us back to Himself and we now are at peace with God. Well, there's another part to this and I want to give this to you today. This is the message I want you to hear today and I'm totally excited about this message. I remember back when my boys were little. I have two boys and they're both growing up now and they have their own families and they're going to be coming over to my house a little bit later on today and it's going to be fun. We'll have a good time. But I remember when they were little and, uh, you know, Christmas was coming and we had gone out and done all the shopping, got everything ready and had the tree and all the gifts underneath there. I think I was more excited than they were. I loved those years. I loved giving gifts. And I was so excited to give gifts to the boys. And I loved watching them open them up. And that's actually exactly how I feel right now about this message this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. And I want to read to you these scriptures this morning. And here's the, here's the message that he reads to, that, that Paul gives to us. He says this, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, listen to this part, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message, listen to that part, he's committed to you and me the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, and God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, here's the deal. 
I'm sorry that the scriptures aren't up on the board for you, by the way. They, that's my fault. I just real, realized I never sent them to me. I'm sitting there going, why haven't you got them up there? And then I went, oh, I never sent them to them. Sorry, Nathan. My fault. I accept responsibility totally. I'm sorry. Uh, so here's the deal. We've been reconciled to and now have peace with God. God has forgiven us of our sins. We talked about that. There's no animosity. There's no problems between us and God. And Paul wrote this. There is there now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. His goodness, His grace, all that has paid the price for your sins, for my sin. And now we have been given the gift of being reconcilers. Talk about that. You need to hear this. What does that mean? Let me open it up for you. It means that God has forgiven you. He's removed all the problems between us. All that's taken care of. 100%. Removed all the animosity. But you have to open up the gift and use it. He's placed the ability to reconcile people. He's placed the ability for you to bring people to Him. He's placed all that in you and me through His Holy Spirit. But we have to take the gift. We have to take that message. We have to take that gift and we have to begin to put it to use in our lives. Let me show you some things. Have you ever wondered why the world's not at peace? We just talked about that. Karen's talked about that. Others have talked about that. You ever wonder why our families seem so messed up? I mean, every one of the testimonies, this happened in my family, that happened in my family, this happened, I've talked about it in my own life recently. Why drug addiction and depression are so prevalent? Why suicide has become normal these days? Do you ever wonder, how can I get my kids to come together? How can I put my family back together? Why do things always seem to be at odds? Why are we always button heads over things? Have you ever wondered why everyone is so quick to talk behind people's backs? and to gossip at work, and to gossip even at church. And the answer to that is very simple, and I'm going to give it to you right now, and I want you to hear me. The answer to that is because we are at war with God. There is sin in hearts. There is sin in lives. And if you don't believe that, sit down with me for a while. Let me point it all out to you. The world itself is trying to say, eh, we don't really think that's a big deal. No, that's not the problem. And, and we have to devise all kinds of ideas on how to take care of things. And none of it works. There's only one answer, and that's Jesus Christ. Sin is why we are at odds. Sin is why we do the things that we do. The world, our families, our nation has a sin problem. They have not received the gift of, they have not received reconciliation. They have not experienced full reconciliation between them and each other and them especially and God. And so they're at odds with God. They're at odds with each other. We're at war back and forth. It goes both directions. When we believe and trust in Jesus, as they said, we're reconciled to God. So now when we are reconciled, when we who have accepted Jesus, when we are reconciled, we are now at peace with God. There is nothing between us and God. So we're at peace with God. There's, there's joy. There's happiness. We're, we celebrate. We're, we're happy people. There's good things going on. And since I have peace with God, here's the good news. I can now love and be at peace with my brother and sister. I experience not only Christ's joy, but I experience joy between me and others because I see them with different eyes. When I've been forgiven, I can forgive. 
When I've been reunited with Christ through Jesus, I see the world through God's eyes. See, the problem is the world is looking at the world and looking at you and looking at me through human eyes. They're looking at us through broken eyes, through the eyes that Satan has allowed them to have, which says, it's all about me. I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. How come the world won't do what I want it to do? Anybody ever felt like that before? You know, you walk around stomping your feet. I don't know why everybody has to be like that. I'm the one that's right around here. I do all the work. Nobody listens to me. I'm telling you what I say. I don't know what you guys say. That's me. And I'm usually in the church when I'm doing that, by the way, walking up and around. Just stomping my feet. I don't know why everybody won't listen. You know, because I'm still struggling with that. I still am looking at the world through my own eyes and with my own perspective. But I've been given the peace with God and now I, I see the world through God's eyes and that's so important. I now can have His perspective on the world. Think about that. If you can see the world the way God does. I, I'm seeking to reunite those whom, with those whom I've been at war with. No longer am I sitting here going, it's about me, but I'm looking at others and I'm seeing their hurts and their pains and their brokenness. And I'm saying, what can I do? How can I pull them back into my life? been given the gift or entrusted with the message of reconciliation. So I no longer look at people and circumstances with earthly perspective. I'm now a kingdom agent. I am now God's child. I'm a kingdom agent. I am now His. I see people as Christ saw them. They become my priority. My own pleasure and needs and self-interest, they take a back seat as I begin to believe and understand that Jesus Christ takes the front seat. I'm looking at people with His eyes. I take the attitude of Christ. Jesus said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. You know Jesus Christ came to serve you? And that's what we do. We come to serve. We come to give ourselves away after we get that perspective. What would the world look like if we began to give ourselves away instead of trying to get what we want? How does that change things in your family? If instead of you trying to get everybody to do what you want, you begin to say, what do they need? How can I meet their needs? See, when I become a believer and a follower of Jesus, I'm given the mind of Christ, and I get the eyesight of Christ, and I see the world like Jesus did, and I see the pain, and I see the suffering, not as inevitable. See, a lot of people say, well, it's just the way it is. It's just the way it's going to be. Pain and suffering, it's just a part of life. It's a result of sin. I don't see it that way anymore. I have a kingdom perspective and I see people and I realize they're at war with God and they're hurting and they're blind and they're broken, but they don't have to be. Their depression and all those things are a result of the sin and all the the fighting in their lives most of the time, but it doesn't have to stay that way. Remember Matthew 23? Jesus is headed to Jerusalem and what would be his crucifixion as he heads down the road in his crucifixion, he looks down on Jerusalem as he approaches. He looks at Jerusalem and his heart's broken and he he laments over Jerusalem. He says these words, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those who sent to you, how often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not looking. Look, your house has left you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Remember in Matthew 9, 36 through 38, it says that when he, Jesus, saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. To Jesus, these people are not just hungry and needy and poor. These are the children of his father. 
We need to change our perspective. These aren't just people who are hungry because they didn't do what they should have done. They're not just people who live in another country. They're not just people who, who, who don't matter to us. When we look around the world, the people of the world, they're God's children that matter deeply to Him. Every part of their being matters to Him. And He loves them. And they should love, that should be our perspective. We should love them because they're His children. They're not just so many people without faces. The children of God. That's who Jesus is. And then Jesus looks at them and He knows the answer is right before them. He knows the answer is right before them. I have a son who has a friend who is who is so anti-Christian. It's not funny. He he just totally just constantly rags on uh, on people for being Christian and how stupid it is. He tells my son all the time, "I wish I had a wife and a kid like you do." I tell you, you got a good life. And Steve tries to tell him. He says, "Man, you know, there's a reason for that. God has blessed me." Oh, that's not what it is at all. I, I, you don't understand. And he goes on and begins to give his rant against Christianity and how. We don't matter, and how you know it's not God, and you know and he believes in you know like Thor and whatever Viking gods or whatever. I mean, it's just it's crazy talk for me. And see, he's one of those people that 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 God has such compassion on because he looks him in the eye and he says, "The answer's right in front of you. Why are you so blind to it?" And that's what the world's doing, and 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 we see that now as people who are called to be reconcilers we see the people and we are broken by the fact that that the answers are in front of them and they just can't seem to see the deceiver has been deceived he's keeping them from seeing the truth and unless something happens they're going to die paul calls it in second corinthians the ministry the gift of reconciliation we're being given the gift of being the one who has the opportunity to see that with them and to sit down with them and to bring reconciliation and peace you're given the gift of seeing the need, not so you can criticize, not so we can walk around and look at people and say, man, aren't they sinners? Man, you know, they're poor because of, and we can list the reasons. Instead, He's calling us to see them so that we can bring reconciliation, so we can bring hope, so that we can walk into their lives and do something about them. You're not now not only friends with God, but He employs you. You're not just His friend. You're not just saved so that you can go on and do whatever you want. Along with salvation comes this gift of reconciliation. You and I are now employed by God. We're His emissary. We're His ambassador. If you're sitting here right now saying, man, pastor, that's not my job. That's yours. Then I don't even think you're saved. I'll just say, I don't think you understand. I'm as serious right now as I've ever been in my life. We are His ambassadors. We are His emissaries. We need to get busy and do the work that He's called us to do. And change the world. You've been charged to go. He's given you the message. He's given you the tools to change the world. We must begin. We've been given this incredible opportunity to be the change the world needs. Right now, the world needs change. You don't believe me. Let's go out. I'll show it to you. And it's not a gift given to a select few. This is a gift that God gave to all mankind. He has died for all the sins that have ever been committed in the whole world. Right now, everything has been taken care of for every person. 
If you want to say, oh no, it's just for a handful of people, I'll show you that I don't believe that's true. It's for all of us if we'll accept it. We've been given this incredible, incredible opportunity to be the change. Every person, every broken family, every addict, every angry young man, every hurting wife, all who believe in their hearts that Jesus has died and taken upon himself the sins of the world will receive Jesus' free salvation. And all of us who believe have been given the Holy Spirit. Not just a little Holy Spirit, but we've been given the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Literally, Jesus Christ has taken up residence inside of you. He has placed His Spirit on you for one reason. To empower you and to bring your dead spirit back to life so that you can go out and be His ambassador and be His emissary and bring change and peace and hope to a world that's so broken and lost and messed up. Paul says it this way, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And He lives in you and me not just to give us the power to stop doing certain things. Sometimes I think in the church of the Nazarene for too long, we've kind of lost our direction a little bit. And, and I'm a think, I think that we sometimes have preached that we are filled with the Holy Spirit to stop doing certain things so that He can empower us not to do certain things. And I can give you a list of those things. But I'm not can I tell you that that is not why you have been given the Holy Spirit? You've been given the Holy Spirit. It's been placed in you so that you can see the world through Jesus' eyes. So that He can begin to open your eyes to see and to look around you and begin to break your heart. See, if you're looking at people who are broken, if you're looking at the world and seeing things and you're saying, well, it's their fault and I ain't going to do anything about it, I don't know if Jesus is in you. Because when the Holy Spirit gets inside of us, we begin to have a broken heart. We've been given the Holy Spirit so we'll have power. Not just so we can stop doing things, but we've been given power and we've been given purity to be ambassadors, to be messengers, to be hope and reconciliation and peace to our messed up world. And it's a tremendous gift. Literally, we who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ should be daily spreading out from this location right here daily as we go to work daily as we go about the life that we have been called to live daily as we go to the hospital to work daily as we go to the bank to work daily as we go to wherever it is that you work daily we should be going as the people of peace and hope to bring reconciliation to Muncie, Indiana literally when the people see you and me leave this church, they should be going, wow, there goes people of hope. There goes people of peace. There goes people who make a difference. There goes difference makers. The world should be able to see that we are different and our lives should be creating a hunger and a thirst for Jesus Christ. But it's not. The reality is, is people stay away from the church in droves these days. The reality is the world keeps on fighting and it's getting worse. And families keep on breaking up. And policemen keep on being shot. And churches keep on splitting. And my question is, why, Lord? Why? See, I believe it's because gifts given and not used are of no value. And if we are been given the gift of ambassador, if we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit and we're not using it, then it doesn't matter. 
We've been given the gift of being reconciled and we've tucked it away in a closet. It's unopened and unused and wasting. We've been given the gift of reconciliation and we're placing the gift on a shelf in a cabinet saying, I'll use it later. And we're not using it to make a difference. And people all around us, people all around us are watching and they become cynical at our proclamation that God loves them and they don't see love. And they don't see joy. They don't see and they're cynical about the idea that God is all-powerful, that He can make a difference when He never makes a difference. And they're asking questions like, where was God when my parents were divorced? Where was God when my dad punched me in the face? Where was God when my mom had cancer? Where is God when I see no peace and feel no peace in my soul? How come that church, and I'm so convicted, how come that church with all of its nice buildings isn't making any difference in our city? And the answer to that is, is that God is, was sitting on a shelf in the cabinet where, he, where we had kept him. And we didn't know the situation. Did you hear him? We, not God, we did not bring him to the situation. See, we are His ambassadors. That's what it says. And if that's true, we need to step up in the power and the gifting of the Holy Spirit to lead people in those moments and to lead them to Jesus. We need to step up and lead people to accept the free gift of salvation as we need to, We need to, in the power of the Holy Spirit, be there to love families back to Jesus. We've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to defend and speak peace over her children. When we see a child that has been abused, instead of saying, oh, well, that's not my problem, we should step up to the plate. We should grab that child. We should speak love and peace and joy and hope over that child and protect that child and be the ambassador. We've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to feed the hungry. And when we see someone who's hungry, it's more than a meal they need. They need Jesus. And we need to, as Christians, provide the meal provide the hope. We have been called to minister to the hurt, to speak hope and peace over broken people, to cast out the demon of addiction. I'm going to tell you when we see the addicted, it's not, oh well, look at those poor addicted people. Our eyes should see Jesus, lovers of Jesus, and people that Jesus loves so much that He gave His heart for, and we should go to them and find their faith and help them. To speak words of love from God, even prophetic words over our kids. To speak the truth over them because the world is. The world's telling them they're not good. That's a prophetic word. The world's telling them that they're messed up. The world's telling them they're ADHD. They're depressed. Those are words of prophecy over each one of these children. We need to begin to speak words of truth over them. You're a beloved child of God. You're a child of Jesus died for you. You're the hope of God through Jesus Christ. There's nothing that God can't use you to do if you let him. Those are also prophetic words, and those have got to be spoken over our children. Too often we've set the gift on the shelf and we left it for Sunday. Someday I'll take my gift down and use it to minister to children. 
Someday I'll minister to senior adults who, who feel alone. It's time to go to our senior adults and love them. Someday I'll feed the hungry. Someday I'll get involved with young married couples. It's time to say enough's enough. We don't want one more divorce in our church or in our city. Someday I'll minister to young women who had the abortion. Someday. So here's the deal. The gift of hope, the gift of peace, the gift of joy, and the love of God sits wasting in our closets as we build it. And as we keep our eyes on our comfort and on our needs, and as we continue to live like the world, and as we shut out the kingdom. Why don't we see the church being different than the why do people in the church still divorce at almost the same rate as they do? Why do we see people in the church still abort their children? Why do we see people in the church still sue each other and bring lawsuits against each other? Why do we see people in the church run to the world for answers? My question is this to you. Is Jesus not enough? Has he not given us enough? Paul says that we should no longer regard people or circumstances from a worldly perspective. What does that mean? It means this. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And all this is from God. It's a whole new way of life. And so it is this. When I see people and when I see circumstances, I should regard them from Christ's perspective. Everything should be, what does Jesus want us to do here? How does he want us to handle it? And the truth is, is what we must do is we must open the gift. It's been given to us. It is time for us to rip it open and begin to see things from a heavenly perspective. Our first thought as believers should not be a worldly thought or solution to anything. It should automatically be, how would Jesus handle this? What does the Bible have to say about this? What is God teaching us about these circumstances? What is the kingdom perspective? In our first church, there was a neat family of people who started to attend and the dad was a, a businessman in town and mom was a, a, a neat lady, worked at the school. They had a son and a, te a, a teenage son and a young teenage daughter. And, and after they'd been there for a little while, the girl began to date some guy and, you know, they'd sit in church and they were all cuddly and way too close and you knew that if they were that cuddly and close in church, there was probably more going on than just cuddling and being close in church. And, and so, you know, you worry about them, you pray for them. And uh, it wasn't a real big surprise when I got a phone call from the dad. He says, Mary's uh, 14 years old. She's fine. And I was just heartbroken for them. I, I knew they were hurting. So I went to see them and we began to talk. And her dad said, and again, he's a good Christian man. He believed in Jesus, but his heart was broken. And he said to me, he says, man, we've got to get an abortion. Oh, there's kids. We've got to get an abortion. I didn't argue with him. I just listened to him. I didn't talk a while. I was a young pastor. I was probably at that point maybe 30 years old. Maybe, maybe. You know, so I'm just trying to figure this out too. But I knew one thing. I knew that we had to do what Jesus said. And so I, I let him talk. And when he got done, I said, do you mind if I make some phone calls and try to figure some things out? So I, I called a doctor, an OBGYN that had delivered our youngest. I said, tell me something. What's more dangerous, you know, an abortion? Or having a baby for a 15-year-old because she would be 15 by that time. He says, oh, by far, having, having an abortion. People weren't meant to have abortions. And this is a guy who would do abortions, by the way. He said, uh, people weren't meant to have abortions. They were meant to have babies. So then I 
I went and I called up a crisis pregnancy center and I said, can we make an appointment? I, I want to bring somebody in. And I talked to the family and they agreed. We all went to the crisis pregnancy center and we walked through their thing and they talked to us and family began to cry. They began to realize that this was a life and they couldn't just take this life. And she was pregnant and it mattered. It might not have been ideal, but you know, God was in the middle of it and somehow he was working on that. So she had the baby. Remember the night the baby was born in the hospital, the joy of the family's life. Seeing Grandpa, who was certain she should have an abortion, standing there with that baby in his arms and smiles on his face. Tears run down. Out of the You know, we saved a life that way. And we kept the family from regrets that would have overcome them. Because, see, and I'm not acting special here, I'm telling you, this is normal. This is normal Christian. We acted like people in Christians. We were reconcilers. We just did what Jesus wanted to. We stood in as a reconciler and I pointed to Jesus and I said, that's the answer right there. And see, they couldn't see this guy. And see, that's the thing. All the world right now, most of your friends are blind. They don't understand. You've got to step in. You've got to point and say, this is the right Let me point you to Jesus. Let me point you to hope. It's not about me going out and preaching messages. It's not about me going out and beating people up and getting them to do what I want them to do. It's about going out and being Jesus. This is the Let me encourage you. Let me show you. Let me help you find the way. I had the privilege of dedicating that little fellow to the Lord later on. What a gift we've been given. The kingdom of Jesus. We're world changers. We're lifesavers. We're difference makers. Paul writes, as God's fellow workers as ambassadors, I urge you not to receive Christ's grace, God's grace in vain. See, it'll be in vain. If all you do on this earth is believe in Jesus and have to go to heaven. You have wasted your life. And if anybody doesn't like that, come on, I'm going to stand right here and you can take it off of me. We were not meant to be saved on this earth just to go to heaven. We were meant to make a difference. Don't waste what God's given Engage. Be an ambassador. Jesus taught us the new covenant was summed up like this. Love each other as I have loved you. That's it. You know, there, there are two covenants. There's the old Abraham and then the Sinai covenant with Moses and the old covenant. Or the old covenant. And then Jesus gave us a new covenant. And the new covenant, the old covenant had some 600 and some laws. The new covenant has none. Love each other. That's what ambassadors do. That's what emissaries of God do. They have the eyes of Christ. They see people and they love each other just like God loved us. What a gift we've been given. What a gift we have. Don't waste it.
take the wrapping off and say, isn't it pretty? And put it on the shelf. Wear it out. Use it up. Use it and use it and use it until you die. And when you die, then you get to go into heaven, not sort of like through the fire, but you get there and there is celebration and there's joy. So you made a difference. But the Lord, Father, bless you. We praise you for what you're doing and what you're doing. Lord, I am just thankful for your people here. I love this church. And I know there's a lot of people here who right now are making a difference. They, they've they unwrapped the gift and they're going for it. I, I give you praise for them. But Lord, I know there's others who haven't done that. And I pray, God, that, that somehow this Christmas season we'll begin to get the perspective of the world that that you see, the, the perspective of people hurting, people lost, and we'll say, you know what, i got to make a difference. I want to be a part. I want to be an ambassador. You have given us the gift, the message of reconciliation. Lord, don't let us sit on it. Help us to give it away. We love you. We praise you. And we're just believing you for that right now. Thank you, Jesus, for what you do. Thank you for your son. Thank you, Lord, for coming and dying on a cross for us. Thank you that you were raised from the dead. Thank you that you're alive and that you are in our hearts, that your Holy Spirit has come. John 14 that was read this morning, Lord, you went away, but you said, if you go away, you'll come again. And you have. And what joy, what joy we have. Thank you. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's stand together.